Welcome to episode number 13. Lucky number 13. Lucky 13. This is Cowboy Shit with Ted Stoven, Wacey Anderson. Howdy. Hey. How you going, mate? This is our, what is this, our like first episode of summer? Yeah, first episode when it's <laughs> nice out and the grass is green and it's yeah. not cold and miserable. If we had a table in the hammock zone, we could record from out there. That'd be unreal. It that's the that's the goal. goal. That's our yeah. We can set a a standard or podcast goal. Yeah, that's it. Podcast goal outside pod. Maybe next during time? stampede. Well, yeah, that'd be we good. can have a stampede hammock zone barbecue, round table barbecue cast with everybody. That'd be quite the time. That's gonna be a heater of an episode. I'd say <laughs> should be a dandy. Nice. You guys have that to look forward to. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. That's going to be a hot episode. On today's show, Curtis Lecision, former Le- NHL Le- hockey player, Stanley I, Cup I kind of figured out how to say his name over the weekend. You figured Le- it out? Lecision. No, Lecision. Lecision. I thought it was Lecision. No. Oh, wrong. Yeah. never mind. I'm wrong. <laughs> Tabernacle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Curtis used to play for the Quebec Nordiques, and then when the Nordiques moved to Colorado, they won the Cup. Played over 1,000 games. Yeah, 1,033 games in the show. Now he's got Buck and Bulls, and he's, uh, he was actually our shoot boss. Last week in Ottawa. Nice. And uh, his son, Jake, who was drafted by the, uh, what do you call him? The uh, Golden Knights. Yeah, but the con- or the Stanley oh, Cup contending. Oh, the Western, Western Conference champion. champion. Las Vegas Golden Knights. Damn. Pretty good, those That's guys. Huge. Yeah, yeah, they're unreal at hockey. I think, they're, I think Regina has been doing well at the Memorial Cup, from what I can remember. After they've been, because they've been out for quite a while, too, right? Like 47, days, 47 days off, is what I heard. It's quite a while in that business, isn't it? Oh, it's crazy without... Yeah. Any games? It's yeah. I could, I could probably could, I could probably go either way though. It's like you have the time off, you could heal and kind of practice and. It's I don't true. Know. It's tough to say. It's true. I what know it didn't help Saskatoon when they hosted. What do you think about that when the host gets to go to the cup? Is that that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Because it's like kind of a different buy. I think they have to do it. Oh, so it's part of the. Well, league, I think I think I, I don't think it's part of the like just the, it's like it should happen because that's the only way you're gonna get you're gonna get way more buy-in from the community if the home team is playing. Yeah, that's true. That's a good call. Yeah, because like you're gonna have your fans are gonna come out, and then plus people are gonna be more willing because they want to come watch the home team. Yeah, it's like one year Humboldt they hosted the RBC Cup, and okay. like the whole community bought into it. And, okay. Like, yeah, so it's cool, and then like and then like the teams build to have like a good, make sure they're competitive too, right? Yeah, like, I understand. Like it's true. Regina lost out early in the playoffs, but they still had to pr- have a good team. To have a good team. So yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. yeah, they were able to go in there and play well. So okay. Mm-hmm. How often does the host win? I don't cup. know. I don't know that. I don't think very often. No. Because, I, I, like, the year we in Saskatoon, Halifax won. That was when they had, like, McKinnon and Druin. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mooseheads, right? It was really cool. And the Furland played for Saskatoon. That was oh, wow. They, like, mortgaged their farm to get Furland on their team that year. Oh, wow. So I don't know how often the the host team wins. Because you usually get your powerhouse, like, the favorite team. Like, like the London Knights year, they had, like, um, that year they had Marner like, and Kachuk. And yeah. Domi and all those good players. Okay. So, I mean, I don't know. I think it just depends. It, it, that's the thing. It's a tournament. So, I mean, anybody has a shot. Like, if you just got to win. But I, I would say not very often the host team wins. I can't remember okay. in recent memory. But okay. apparently it's one of the hardest turn, turn, like the hardest trophies in sports to win. Really? Well, it's because like, you got to go through your own league before you get a chance to win it. And the chance, and like, it only comes around so often. I guess, because you got to win your league and then you're playing against... The winners all of the, all the other leagues. Yeah, in the whole country. Yeah. That's pretty wild, I guess. Yeah. It's true. I, heard, I can't remember who said that. I was listening to something the other day, but yeah, it's pretty cool. Huh. It's fun to watch. It's good hockey. Yeah. That's cool. Okay, mm. back to the cowboy shit part of cowboy <laughs> shit. Hockey's cool, too. We love hockey. Yeah, we're kind of like a hockey and rodeo podcast. 
boat riding podcast. We don't discriminate. Yeah, like we're down with like all of it. We're so down with it. That's cool, right? We like sports. We don't care who knows it. Yeah, exactly. We got, <laughs> we've had lots of hockey guests on here, though. We're going to have lots more. So Yeah, and it's pretty cool how we can like draw parallels and have guys who are involved. Like, In both. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like with yeah. Clint Malarchuk and yeah. Curtis is heavy into the heavy, rodeo game. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Heavy into the bull riding. Yeah. yeah, I'm really excited for this interview. It's going to be yeah. pretty interesting. It's not very often you get to talk to a Stanley Cup champion, yeah, thousand game player in the NHL, yeah. who also, like you said, owns Bucking Bulls. Pretty cool. From Saskatchewan too. Yeah, Saskatchewan's own. My brother. You're, you're, is everyone in Saskatchewan just like friends? Is that like a thing? Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. There's like it's funny like whenever you meet someone from Saskatchewan, like it's like for, especially from the area you're from, like they usually know somebody that you know. <laughs> like it's crazy. It's insane. But there's only like, is there even a million people in Saskatchewan? It's over a million. One point one or one point two. Okay. I think the population of Calgary is almost the same as this. At one point, it was. Like, it was more people in Calgary than there was all Saskatchewan, really? like, when I was growing up. Yeah. Well, that's neat. Yeah. Huh. Well, cool. So, Curtis Lassishan on the show today. Great. Uh, we had a great chat with Curtis. It's, uh, hope you enjoy the show. But uh, let's talk about some more current stuff. What's going on around these parts? Well, May Long Weekend. You just yeah. got back from just Quebec City. Done. And it turns out they don't call it city. They just call it Quebec. So when you go to Quebec City, as we call it, it, you're just going to Quebec, Quebec. So it's like it's like going to New York City, but you just call it New York. New York, New York. Yeah. Okay. It's cool. interesting. Yeah, I'm into it. But so we got to see lots of cool stuff there. Josh Brise and I went and looked at, like we went and did a big tour, like self-guided. We a just kind of tour. Made it up. No, we didn't go. We didn't go on a f- any food crawls. That we left that up to our announcing buddy Brett Gardner. He did all the food crawls. We just, you know, we just saw the things. Nice. I've seen some of your guys' Snapchats and stuff. Looks like pretty interesting. Like old, it was old really Quebec, cool. Old Quebec and stuff. Old yeah. Quebec is really neat. Yeah, lots of history there. Turns out the uh, the British sided with the Iroquois to beat the French, and that turned out to mean that Canada was an English country, not a French country. Wow. Yeah. History. History. History with Ted. History on cowboy shit. With cow- yeah, I actually got that history from Kobe Moore. He listened to a podcast while he was out on the plains of Abraham. So. Pretty cool. Fast and Furious episode, driving by the house right Driving now. by the house. We live kind of uh, by a road here in Calgary. There's a couple so of roads. A couple of roads, so, you know, but yeah, people Co- go by. Quebec. Back to Quebec. It was cool. Quebec cool. was how, cool. How was, the, how was the event? It was the first bracket-style Iron Cowboy yeah. event in Canada. It's had actually... Some, had some heavy hitters there, too, eh? Oh, yeah. We had Silvano Alves was there, three-time world champ, as you all know. Uh, Jess Lockwood, the reigning world champ. Derek Obaba. Uh, all our top Canadian talent, Zane Lambert, Brock Radford, Lonnie West, Jared Parsonage. Yeah. Tough feel, the bull riders. Very there. cool event. Um, lots, yeah, I mean, I don't even know. I don't know what to say. It was, it was a really cool event. Uh, the bracket style, I think, is easier for fans to understand at different times because, like, it's a battle between between bull riders where it's not about the score. It's just, like, whoever you, gets if, a better score and whoever, or whoever rides the longest gets to move on, so... Really cool format, and uh, yeah, Marcus Gloria wins it. Pretty cool deal there. It was him and Brock Radford in the end. Go back to uh, the final two bulls. Happy Camper had four wins in a row as far as the top bull. Gets beat by half a point. Still, Happy was still a 45 and a half. But Twisted from Vold Rodeo was 46-point bull. So nice. That's the highest-scored bull of the year so far. That was pretty cool to see. Nice. Big full house. The crowd... Was so totally into the bull riding. They were like super energetic. It was they it like was they like really it out there. Cool. They're big. They're big rodeo. Oh people. yeah, and and the fans in Quebec have already been trained to our kind of show. Like they're already fans of what we do show wise because of what they've done in Saint Tite. 
there's such a good rodeo in St. T and it's so, such an entertaining event that we can go in there and, and work the crowd and it's like a totally it's totally a different show than we'd see yeah, out no, west. Like that's sweet. Yeah, people are cheering the whole time and clapping along and like they're into the show. Whereas sometimes out west, like for example, Calgary, no offense to Calgary folks, but like they're just not as they're such fans of bull riding that they're not gonna cheer unless they see a ninety point ride. Like it's they know. a different thing. Yeah, no, it makes sense. It's like yeah. when we when we used to t- send us out to Toronto, like you'd go and you you'd be like you're you could get thrown off for like be sixty oh, yeah. points and they go nuts. Yeah, they love it. Exactly. They just love everything about it. They go nuts when the when the bull ropers out there doing this. Yeah, thing. yeah. So yeah, it makes sense. We're a little, the West is a little more educated. and They know get your more experienced rodeo fan. I yeah, guess, if you want to say. But we've been loving it out east though. That's so this sweet. Is our... I, I'm I'm all for it out there. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. that you guys are getting out that way. So this is week three this month. We're in PA. That was the last show. Then we were in Ottawa last week. Uh, Austin Richardson, the 18-year-old bull rider from Texas, wins that one. So nice. Yeah, hopefully this that. week we see a Canadian win on the Canadian Tour. That's what I'd like to see. Knocking on the door. Yeah. Not exactly. too far. Because Brock's won Calgary, so at least uh, there's a That's Canadian true. who win an event. That's true. But I, wanna, I like Canadians to win. And Brock was second here this weekend, too. Wasn't close. So, wasn't far off. Speaking of that, though, Brock goes from... What, 39th in the world to 30th after Quebec City. Pretty good uh, jump there. Marcus Gloria goes from like 98th to 30th or 32nd in the world now. That's crazy. Huge jump. Big, like 300 points. It's nuts for a guy like that, Mm -hmm. right? You can't win 300 points at an event anywhere besides on the The top tour. Yeah. Yeah. So huge win for Marcus and another big, big win for Austin the week before. And Happy gives up his four event streak. So Happy Camper Brock Radford got the four wins in a row. They it's should, like have, and he bucked minutes. off Brock, right? Happy Camper or Twisted uh, no, Buck? Twisted. twisted bucked off Brock, yeah. I'd like to see Brock in on Happy Camper. Yeah, I think that'd be a good matchup. Great matchup. Wouldn't it? Brock rides real tough into his hand. Yeah, maybe we'll see that in Halifax. That or would Moncton. be cool. We'll Make see. sure you get your tickets. Get your tickets. Those ones are almost sold out, so watch out. I'm booking a plane ticket. Yeah, you should probably should. It's going to be dandy. Okay, dude, I got to go ranching. Got He's got to go, the boys got to go ranching. Yeah, so that's what's going on. Uh, coming up next to those couple events there, but... We'll be back after this with our interview with Curtis Lashishin. Stay tuned. This is Cowboy Show with Ted and Wasey. Former NHLer Curtis Lashishin. Curtis Lashishin. Lashishin? Curtis Lashishin. Lashishin. Lashishin, yeah. Okay. I got it. I think I got it. <laughs> Wouldn't be a good play-by-play guy. <laughs> Wasey's not getting that job anytime soon. But Curtis is on the line listening to, not, listening to us butcher his name a couple times here. But uh, you heard a lot. I've heard a lot worse. So you guys did a really good job. <laughs> Keep it up. You, I'm not. I'm not going to hammer you hard on it. That's for sure. <laughs> well, we were uh, we were joking around too because we've. Uh, I I just know you as Curtis now, so I don't have to. I don't have to call you Mister Lassition or anything. <laughs> so it's going all right. But uh, but we've got to become friends over the last few years. I was actually when I was looking up uh, a few of your hockey videos here earlier. I noticed that we had an interview on YouTube from like five years ago already and i felt like that hasn't been that long but we had your bull riding in langham in like 2013 already it's been that's already five years ago now isn't it yeah i remember that interview actually um it was one of the very first times that i had to actually speak about bull riding and uh i was a bit nervous teddy you had me on the spot there so <laughs> i think I've, I've become a little bit more accustomed to speaking about bulls and bull ridings and all the guys involved so it's it's been a great five years of since i've been involved with just the production part of it but uh you know since i retired it's something that i've kind of been doing here on and off on the side i guess since uh i guess 2010 so i've, I've been dabbling in the bull industry for about eight years what uh what have you had all for bulls in the past few years and and uh when we we're 
when I'm asking this question too, I want to ask, uh, or I want to state the fact that the when we talked last about bulls, and it's been quite a while now, but they were all in the states. Is that still the still the the case? Yeah, um, I still have a number of bulls, and most of all of them are down in Texas at uh, 4G Ranch. Uh, the Griggs family, <coughs> excuse me, take care of them and haul them. And when we go to events, uh, they do all the do all the work, and I kind of just reload along when I can and watch and, and just, uh, you know, I'm just kind of a supporter at that point, but, um, they're all down in Texas and, uh, nothing up here in Canada yet. So it's something hopefully maybe in the next five years, I'm kind of hoping that's a plan to, to get something up here and maybe start moving around and, and, uh, getting to some of the PBR events up here in Canada. Well, I guess that, uh, if those bulls are, when they're big enough, they could easily come to these events up here and go with somebody, I guess, eh? Yeah, I've got a couple that are, uh, they've been to PBRs and uh, recently at CBR events. So they're they're big, big bulls. One's a bushwhacker son. So he's got uh, some of his dad's traits where he's pretty explosive off the front end. And, uh, you know, you're not really sure what he's ever going to do, but he's pretty electric. And um, I've got another one that's uh, been around for a few years too. And, uh, you know, been to uh, some of the top PBR cups so it's it's nice i've got a couple that are up and comers young ones two-year-olds that uh, are still learning the game so you know it's i always equate it to like uh, youth hockey players one day you think you they know what they're doing and the next day you wonder if they've ever played the game so kind of the same thing so um you know we're just waiting for these other ones to mature and hopefully they can do something down the road too we've talked about it before but what uh what got you into the bull business i, I remember the story i think it was when you were playing in Colorado, you went to a rodeo close by or a bull riding or something, and you ended up on the back of the chutes. Is that, am I rem- remembering the yeah. right story? Yeah, it's, that's close. Um, I've always loved rodeo as a kid, even you know, young kid, and horses and all that kind of stuff. But when our team moved from Quebec to Colorado in 95, uh, we had friends that uh, worked for Coors and they got us tickets to the bull riders only event there in Denver. And we actually got to go back on the bucking chutes and, uh, when I saw that for the first time. I was like, this is awesome. This is, this, it was the most electric, most energetic thing that I've ever seen in my life. And I was hooked right from that day. So yeah, just being on the back of the bucking shoots for the very first time was uh, something I'll never forget. Well, and, and you were coming from like, you were playing in the NHL and you guys went on to win the cup the same season. And you said, and you think this is the most energetic, crazy thing like that. I find that kind of wild coming from a guy who is yeah. currently playing in the NHL. Well, for me, it was just the, the adrenaline that you, the ride, you could just feel it and sense it. You know, the game of hockey, obviously, with the 60 minutes of playing time, there's some lulls in the action, but this was nonstop, you know, for the two hours or hour and a half or whatever it was. Uh, it was just nonstop, you know, the just the, the thrill of what was going on and, you know, the, the riders, how tough they were and how, willing to compete and, and try to get by a bull for the eight seconds and, and the bulls themselves, the, the athletic ability that they had, you know, all that combined was, you know, what really enticed me. And I was like, I, I love this sport. And it was sort of, uh, you know, love at first sight kind of thing. Now you're judging this, this last weekend, you judged in Prince Albert and you've judged a few events last year as well. And, and years previous coming up though, in Ottawa this weekend, actually, you're going to be the shoot boss, right? Yeah, I've kind of put on a, I guess, a hat trick of hats for stock contractor, judge, and I guess uh, shoot boss. So, you know, I, I love to be involved with, uh, with it 
any way I can. And, you know, I've been nice enough, you know, Ryan Burns hired me for events. Jason Davidson's hired me for some of his events. So I've, you know, I've been fortunate enough that these guys have allowed me to, to become a part of the family, so to speak. And, and, uh, you know, I, I owe a ton of gratitude to these guys for, you know, letting, I guess, an outsider in because, uh, you know, with sport, sometimes they don't allow people that are really, uh, have never, I guess for me, I'd never, never wrote a bowl. So for them to allow me to be a part of this is, it's been amazing. I want to talk hockey now and talk about how you got, got to NHL. I want to talk about that. What the path was like. I looked up uh, some of your stats here again, and you started with your, with the Saskatoon Blades, which was your, basically your hometown team, and then got drafted right to the Nordiques and went right to win, went right into winning the cup, I guess, like eight years later. I just want to talk about that path and everything and what it, what it took, what it took, and what it looked like. Well, I grew up in Langham, just outside of Saskatoon, so that's where I played most of my youth hockey. We had small teams, you know, ten, twelve guys that would play, so we played all the time, and we always had a key to the rink. So whenever school was over, we just ran over there and took our skates and sticks and played shinny inside the rink, which was, you know, something that kids really don't get the opportunity to do anymore. So. You know, growing up, it was full-time hockey, and then uh, once I was older, I played midget AAA in, in Saskatoon, and then two years with the Blades, got drafted and, and went to Quebec and played there. So uh, seven years there, and then the team moved to Colorado, and I was fortunate enough once we moved to Colorado to win a Stanley Cup. and Had some good years in Ottawa as well, went to a conference final there, and you know we won the President's Trophy that year with the, with the Senators as the t- league's top team during the regular season so had some good teams there and uh you know it was, it's i guess when i retired i didn't look back and say i was ever cheated because um you know many guys don't get a, the opportunity to, to win a stanley cup and you know my health's good right now so you know pretty blessed to, to walk away from the game with a lot of great memories and uh you know just uh, a full life ahead of me i want to talk about that moment when Saka kennedy the cup you were the second like the first guy he handed it to and you talked about that before, but I, I want to get, I want to get your thoughts. Yeah, on uh, it's interesting. We were in Florida the night before the game. We were up three games to nothing, and you know there was about five of us out for dinner, and you know you kind of start talking just about the game and stuff like that. And he had mentioned that night that if he was, if we win it, I'm going to hand it to you. And we had grown up together. You know, we were rookies together in Colorado or in Quebec, and went through some real tough times there. We had some real bad seasons and. Um, so it was, I was real, it was a proud moment for me to, to be get for Joe to hand me the cup after, you know, he took his little spin with it. And, uh, you know, it's a memory that I'll never forget. And, you know, it's, it was an honor because, you know, you know, if you watch celebrations now, it's generally an older player that's well-respected. The team has, uh, you know, kind of pinpointed as the next guy to get the cup after the captain gets it. So for me, it was, it was uh, quite an honor. So. So said that's something I'll never forget. I want to talk about highlights. What's what was the next uh, biggest highlight in your career next to winning the cup? Well, um, I got traded from from Colorado, which was probably the lowest point in my career after you know winning a Stanley Cup and never been traded before, whether it was junior hockey or anything. So uh, to experience being traded was the lowest point. But after I was traded, I, I ended up in Hartford, and uh, the first game in Hartford, I scored an overtime game-winning goal so that was one of the memories that uh that i'll always remember as well as uh you know showing up at uh you know just right off the airplane right to the rink and 
took about 10 minutes of warm up and got ready for the game and actually scored the winner. So in overtime, which was a uh, real thrill and, uh, you know, I didn't score a whole many goals in, in my career. So it was one that I obviously remember. That would have been one of them, but scoring my first goal actually was in Calgary against the Flames. Um, you know, my parents were there, my grandparents were there too. So another memory that I'll always cherish as well. I want to go back to the Quebec years and here in 1989-90, played 68 games and you were minus 41. You're talking about really a couple of It was really cold that year. <laughs> you were talking about having some bad years. I, I haven't seen anything like that in recent years and I haven't followed things too closely, but that's a rough year. Oh, well, we I think we won 13 games maybe that year. Um, it was tough. It was one of those years where we were a real young hockey team. And as a defenseman, you get you get chucked into situations that sometimes you shouldn't have been. And, you know, so I was still learning how to play the game at a, at a real high level, but maybe it wasn't quite ready for it. So there's, I mean, a lot of factors. So, but you just, you didn't keep looking down the stats then, obviously, because I was at plus 32 in a couple of years, Teddy. You didn't bring that up. How come you didn't do that? That was my next one. I was going to ask. Oh, I yeah. see. I see. Okay. Yeah. yeah okay. You were... yeah, no. <laughs> 92, 93, um, or tw- plus 25, 94, 95, yeah. 29, 32 of the year you guys won it. Yeah, so uh, you know what? It's just sometimes it's just the people talk about stats and there's, you know, analytics today is a real big thing. And unfortunately for me, plus, plus minus is probably the worst stat you could ever implement into hockey. You can be on the ice and do absolutely nothing and receive a plus, and you can be on the ice and do absolutely everything to stop a goal from going in and, and get the minus. So it's just, it's a bad hockey stat in my opinion, but it's still one that, you know, people look at. And obviously it's uh, probably not going to go away for a very long time. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really like the stat to be honest with you. Oh, that's fair enough. Well, and, and you played a thousand and thirty three games. I like that's there. Actually, you know what? We were at a game this winter and who was it, Wacey, that Matt Stajan. Yeah, Stajan passed a thousand games. And there's only been yeah. like, was it three hundred players in the history of the league to ever make cross that threshold? Like it's not it's a pretty select group of people. Yeah, you know what? It's it's I guess today I would say it might be a little bit easier to do only because I think guys stay in better shape. You know, they they allow themselves to compete at a high level for longer periods of time. Back when I was playing, honestly, guys were Training camp was just to get into shape. Like you did, you worked out a little bit in the summer, but I mean, I can remember two weeks before training camp, that's when we started skating. And now kids skate right through the summer and they have skill development coaches. Uh, it's just, it's a, just a different mentality. And, but, you know, I think guys today, like I said, are in better shape. And, and, you know, there's a few more teams in the league now too, as well. So there's a possibility, I think, for a lot of guys. It's a younger man's game today too. So, you know, guys are starting at younger ages and, I was fortunate enough to start at a young age and kind of stay healthy. I had one major surgery, but the rest was just, you know, little nicks and bruises and bumps and stuff that kept me out of the lineup. So, yeah, it just, I was fortunate enough to do it. And it's uh, another, I guess, one of the memories that I'll have as well as playing my thousandth game. Speaking about memories, before we move on to, to the next piece, you tell the story about the time you guys had this, the plane that, the, that was the Rolling Stones plane. I want oh, to yeah, hear that. Yeah. I want I want the people to hear that story. That one's pretty cool. And Wacy too. I yeah, told them about it. We always chartered, um, you know, a flight. Teams never really uh, flew on commercial flights, so we always had chartered flights. And uh, one year in Carolina, we flew to Toronto and got on this massive seven forty seven plane, and it was like obviously first class seats all over the the plane, and 
and then uh, in the middle of the plane was a massive like poker table, an incredible sound system, and we we're like, oh, this is pretty pretty awesome. And the stewardess on the flight told us that uh, their own Rolling Stones had chartered that particular flight for uh, plane throughout their uh, tour. So on those 747s, there's an upper deck as well. So up in the upper deck was a was a massive bed. Like the thing was, I don't even I can't even matter. Like three or four size king beds like one huge huge bed so uh, as we walked up there we're like oh i wonder what went on up here during this <laughs> during this tour so it was pretty uh pretty interesting but we never did ever fly it again we had it we got it for one time and, um but it was pretty neat to see that uh you know we thought we traveled on real nice planes but when we got that one it was like Ooh, this is another this is a different different league for sure and but and and the Carolina to Toronto is like an hour flight, isn't it? Like it's not yeah, that far. and that's yeah. And then we were like, oh, we wish we were flying from West Coast to <laughs> yeah. East Coast or vice versa because you want to be on that thing for as long as you can. But uh, yeah. yeah, it was a short flight. What were the highlights of playing playing in the NHL like that? And and I I want to ask highlights, but then um, I just read Kelly Rudy's book too, and I think that well, I'm I'm not totally sure of all the, the stats and everything, but you played and you. Uh, well, you played right. You were playing right when the major, uh, like, salary negotiations were going on. When everything got a major bump up, wasn't that when yeah. it happened? When you just started, um, I guess, actually. I was like... just. I was real young when when salary disclosure happened. Um, when I first started playing, I can remember this um, real clear that it was a real topic of debate because players within it with on your same team didn't want other players to know what they were making. So your best player at the time, I think was Peter Stastny and Michelle Goulet. And they were making like $300,000. Everybody was like, Oh wow. Are they making, you know, so much money. And once salary disclosure happened, everybody figured out what everybody else was making. So then you had comparables and you were able to take something to negotiation. So that was, you know, for me, a real big eye opener for, you know, business, plain old business. And, uh, and uh collective bargaining so you know we uh once that happened you know that's when salaries really started to kind of get to where they should be and you know there was players like steve eiserman who was playing with detroit he was getting paid you know by the detroit red wings and then little caesar's pizza on the side too so he was getting kind of you know two contracts so his nhl salary would have been x number of dollars and he's getting x number of dollars from little caesars because mike illich owned little caesars pizza so you know all that kind of stuff started coming to the forefront and guys were recognizing that there was other options and opportunities to make money so yeah stuff like that was you know from a you know kid 18 19 years old trying to figure out business and contracts and collective bargaining was a another real big eye-opener for me it has to be a huge advantage for you to help out your son Jake too. He was drafted 62nd overall by the Vegas Golden Knights in this past year's yeah. entry draft. Yeah, um, you know, it, I don't. I guess to help out is is a loose term. Um, I just kind of support him. I don't really, you know, if he asks questions and that's, you know, kind of when I'll, you know, help him. I don't really try to dig in too deep and tell him he needs to do this or do that. He's got his own agent now. Um, so Jason Davidson. And Thunder Creek represent he represents Jake, so you know I just kind of let him do all of the hockey stuff. He needs to become his player, and that's what uh, you know is going on now with his development is that he's becoming who he is. Hopefully, in a year or two, he signs a contract and becomes uh, a professional player at some level, and and Jake keeps 
you know, chasing the dream that I think that he he's looking someday, uh, you know, have happen and come a, you know, I think I wouldn't say following my footsteps, but I know that uh, he'd like to be a pro player at some point for sure. Well, and he's he's been drafted by a pretty darn good team. It looks like too, with the, the way things are going in Vegas right now too. Yeah, who who would have thought that, huh? Um, yeah, they've you know what they did a real good job of selecting players that were real fast, and that's the way they play. They play with a lot of pace, and they, they score some goals. And you know, you get a goaltender like uh, Mark Andre Fleury, who's been outstanding all season long for him. It's a recipe for success. And you know, I think for years moving forward, I think they'll do well as well. You know, they got a, it's a pretty young team with a lot of character, and, and they're driven to be successful so the other thing that i saw come up and that i knew you were into was the battle of the blades um <laughs> i don't know how much you want to talk about that but one thing that wacy pointed out and that i noticed was that you were wearing uh, figure skates and for a hockey guy yeah. that's like that's got to be a little challenging oh. to switch the blades it was the hardest thing i've ever done in my life to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, yeah uh, i had a good buddy that kelly chase who did it the year before and he was like called me because they were recruiting for the next season and, and he just said you got to do this i'm like there's no chance in hell i am doing this i'm not wearing figure skates i'm not figure skating i mean he wore me down finally he just said you know what it's good cause to you know so you you skate for your charity and our charity was the children's hospital foundation here in saskatchewan because we don't we're the only province in canada that doesn't have a actually two provinces in canada that don't have a children's hospital so we're in the in the process of, I think it's a year away from opening. So, which is, is great. But getting back to the figure skating thing, I started doing it. Those toe picks were like killers. As a hockey player, you're, you're so used to skating, you kind of drag your toes. And so I got on the ice with a guy that I, was a figure skating coach here. And he said, don't lift your feet. Just keep your skates on the ice and do little seat cuts and weave around through the ice. And I said, okay, good, good. You know, so I started doing it and I'm like, yeah, it's not bad. The figure skates, the blades are much longer and flatter. You know, hockey skates have that rocker and you can move. It's way easier to maneuver a hockey skate than it is a figure skate. There's more ankle support and all this. So I, I'm like moving around on the ice thinking, yeah, I got this. This is not bad. So I, you know, I start picking up the pace a little bit. Sure enough, just when I got a little bit too cocky, I got one of those toe picks in the ice and I went so fast face first. <laughs> Oh, I no. got my I got my hands down, but my wrists were so sore for weeks. I thought it oh, broke no. both my wrists because there's no like there's no warning. All of a sudden, you're just like wham, going straight down. So oh. yeah, it was uh, quite an interesting uh, journey for sure, skating, and then absolutely learning how to lift your partner over your head and, and not lose your balance and all that kind of stuff. So not wipe your mouth yeah. out either. No, I know it was, uh, there were some days and practices and trainings that, you know, I fell a couple of times and luckily she fell on top of me versus me falling on top of her. So, Oof. um, yeah, it was interesting. It was, uh, like I said, the hard, one of the hardest things I've ever done. So the real question is, can you still figure skate? You still got it? Um, I haven't put them on since I left that show. So that's, <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Enough. When it was, o- when it was over with, I was done. Burned them. Had, yeah, no, had a bonfire. No, they're gone. There. Yeah. There was no figure skating after that. <laughs> Are you still involved in any, like with any hockey or hockey organizations at this point or? Yeah, I coached, uh, I helped coach my daughter's team. Actually, she plays, uh, female triple a girls hockey here in Saskatoon. And we just, 
We just lost the Essel Cup finals, so the national championship we lost in the finals. Too. Oh, that was you guys. And, uh, nice. Yeah, Saskatoon Stars. Yeah, we uh, we finished our season twenty five and one. So the game we lost was the wrong game. Oh, nice. <laughs> we had a real good, we're, we're a real strong team, and uh, we went through the tournament six and zero, and then got lost the final game. So it was uh, quite a devastating loss for our team. But uh, you know, we've got a majority of those girls coming back next year, so we, hopefully we can kind of make another run at it and got to get out of our province first, which is always difficult. There's some good teams here in Saskatchewan and then need to play the winner of uh, the Manitoba league. So uh, the regional winner from there, Saskatchewan Manitoba gets to go to the SL cup. And uh, yeah, so we're looking forward to another season and obviously a break too, because that's a real long year for those girls too. So um, we'll see how it goes, but yeah. So I just coach um, my middle daughter, Anna's team help coach there. And uh, our youngest daughter doesn't play hockey, which is kind of a, real nice thing and she's soccer basketball so i can just be a, a parent and watch and not uh, evaluate or be critical of any of the anything that i'm watching because of the uh, i guess my my base or my knowledge so um yeah it's nice to get removed from it once in a while i remembered what i was going to ask before and it was about the when you were cycling too yeah when i retired uh well when when you're playing still you obviously need to keep in shape so i bought a mountain bike in colorado and then one of my friends told me to get a road bike too so i ended up getting a road bike and i was like oh this is pretty fun you know you start climbing mountains with it like you get to the top of summits and you're looking down and get kind of an exhilarating feeling of all the work that you put in and uh, once i retired i was still looking for some i guess some competition and i started racing actually and won a couple state time trial championships in colorado and some provincial championships here in, in Saskatchewan too. So, you know, I did that for a while. And then, you know, as I got a bit older, uh, I didn't really enjoy the training as much or, you know, putting in all that time that I had to. So yeah, I did that. And I wanted to say that I did a triathlon. I did one of those along the way too. So ticked off some of the boxes of, uh, things I wanted to accomplish once I retired from hockey and, uh, still want to win a world championship buckle with a, one of my bulls and i don't know if that'll ever happen but something i still want to chase it's uh it's probably not that far away you got a you got a bull there that uh you said's out of bushwhacker too yeah i don't think he'll ever make it to that level but uh i mean they're the bulls are so good today yeah you know there's you look you watch the 15 15 bucking battle and those bulls that come out are just so good so uh it's going to be more and more difficult i think as as time goes on and the breeding gets better and uh, the stock contractors and breeders, you know, do their homework on pedigrees and stuff like that. And yeah, it's just, there's a whole bunch more that goes into it now than just putting out a bull in a, in a pasture of cows and hoping for the best. So I'm trying to figure out what works and what doesn't. Oh yeah, it's true. Well, maybe a Canadian champion buck and bull could be something in the future too, if you're moving some up here in the next well, few years, that'd be cool too. Well, there's been some, you know, there's been some really good bulls that have gone south, and uh, as we watch every weekend, that's not out of the question for sure. Wacy's got a question. I have another question for you. So, being that like with your involvement with like professional hockey and kind of getting into the bull riding scene, um, what do you think it's going to take for rodeo and bull riding to get to that mainstream level, like where the NHL and all the other big time professional sports are? Well, that's a real good question. I think obviously uh, the product needs to be kind of put out there and so that people see exactly what it is that, you know, I think there's a, you know, traditionally it's been a, 
just the country, you know, you know, something that just happens on ranches or rodeos. Um, you know, PBR's done a real good job, I think, of bringing it mainstream. So I think if uh, they continue to to market and and bring more and more events to you know mainstream television and and bring it to you know the prime time hours where people can watch it, and that's a starting you know piece to the start of it becoming much bigger. Um, like I said, when I first watched bull riding and I was right there, that's kind of what hooked me. It's going to take people. To, to get outside of their comfort zone to go and watch an event live and and just see how how entertaining it is you know just the the product that the PBR puts on you know just not just the bull riding but the entertainment aside from you know the bull riders and bulls you know it's it's something that you need to actually experience so i think people once they get more i guess uh, a bit more of the people seeing and hearing about it that uh, it'll become something that they want to go and attend and hopefully after that they're they're hooked and they want to see more and more events that's really cool another question building off of like your experience being a stock contractor and a professional athlete what do you think it's going to take for the competitors nowadays to keep up with the bull power and how it's getting so rank and like what what's it going to take for guys to be able to keep up to that you know i think you're seeing it now guys are training a whole lot harder and they're doing they're putting in more time away from, from bull riding. Um, you know, you used to just see guys show up and ride and go home on the weekends and for the week and then show up again on the weekend. Well, now you see them, they're in the gym, they're, you know, they're eating differently. They're taking care of their bodies. I think that's a real start. Um, you know, you got, it's, it's also a mentality too. And I think you're going to have to have the right people continually coming to the, uh, becoming bull riders and, and wanting to be a bull rider and wanting to be a world champion. You know, there's lots of guys I see now that show up at the events that just kind of want to be involved with it. And they don't put the effort in that it needs to, that you need to, to be a champion. So attitude, I think is going to be part of it too. You get, and that's, that's just the person who they are. I think that, uh, you know, the training that they're doing now, I think is really helping them. So, you know, it's going to be a combination of a few things and, how much better the bulls get, nobody knows, but I think science, sports science can obviously get an athlete a whole bunch better. So I think there's the potential for athletes, especially in the bull riding industry, to get much better. Some of the bull riders, and I'm not saying that they're behind, but I, I think the bull riders there have to catch up a little bit with these bulls right now, it seems like. I would, Yeah, for sure. I think there's there's been a bit of a... I, I don't want to say that guys are, are taking it easy, but I think there's mm-hmm. been that attitude that it's you know if i just show up and get on a bull that's enough and i think guys are realizing now that that's not enough and like i said the training the way they eat the way they take care of themselves even when they're banged up a little bit you see guys that are willing to take some time off and heal up from injuries and not continue to compound and and make that injury worse so you know those are some of the steps that are necessary for for an athlete to to perform at highest i think to wrap it up here curtis I want to, we got to ask you uh, the same thing we ask everybody on the show, but we're wondering uh, what your definition of cowboy shit is. <laughs> this, that's a good question. I guess cowboy shit would be all the stuff that flies around within the locker room when guys are talking. Maybe that's what that would be. But there was probably cowboy shit going on with when you were playing hockey too then. Oh yeah, we used to call it bullshit, but that's a, I guess a, a loose term now. So um, <laughs> yeah, there's a, there was a lot of BS going on for sure. Okay, cool. Well, uh, thanks for taking the time to do this, though. It's been quite a while here. Yeah, no so worries. Appreciate My it. My pleasure. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate your time.
Thanks again to Curtis Assistion for being on the show today. That was a really cool interview. That was fun, wasn't I it? I like it. Yeah, that's, I like talking to guys like that. I like his hot take on what the Cowboys need to do to catch up to the Bulls. That's like, true. I'm a big fan of that. That's true. And it's, and it's something still where guys... It's kind of it's kind of funny because it's kind of like our show is called Cowboy Shit, and that's kind of the attitude. But it kind of needs to be athlete shit. Actually, well, yeah, that's what well, that's what they they call <laughs> they call themselves athletes. So yeah, it's about time some of those some of them start acting a little more like it. Not saying it's that true. they don't. No, no, I get it, but more so, I I know what you're saying. Mm-hmm. No, I I well, especially like from coming from a guy like Curtis, he's been he he's knows. played the highest level. Yeah. Of hockey you can play. Knows what it takes. Yeah, exactly. So all you young bull riders out there, listen to what he has to say. Yeah. The bulls are only going to keep getting better. Yeah. So, so you're going to have to do more. Do more. Mm-hmm. So you ride more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was really cool. I like that. That was a sweet interview. You know what else is cool? That rap horn that you just found? <laughs> That's going to come little, in handy. A little taste of it. Oh, is that copyrighted? Is that copyrighted? <laughs> I think I need to get that added yeah. into the music board. I love the, I love that it's an app. Yeah, I got an app for weird. everything. I got Decent. a fan app on my phone, like what a, fan. a fan, like it has different kind, like because like I need to have a fan to sleep, just because I like. Well, you I just like, open the window. No, I like. The, I need a con- the traffic constant noise. Why? Because like, this is just the way I have. But why? Because my ears ring. Doesn't I have constant ringing in my ears? Oh, you have tinnitus. It's from my injury troubles back in my wilder days. Concussion? concussions and stuff yeah oh really yeah so it helps me sleep but anyways hmm. I, got I know a, i got a fan app you know what actually is a thing on that though uh i had that too and my chiropractor helped me because my neck was so out of whack really because part of it was that's was, a good idea yeah i never part, thought about that yeah part of it part of the ringing was was like fluid in my ears and stuff yeah and mess up with my balance too but a lot of it for and for you probably too i bet you part of it's from the bull riding thing but more so was probably your desk job when you're sitting at your t- computer all the time because your head is sat all forward when you're on your computer. Uh, well, it's from hitting my head because it never it happened before and it's been like going since okay. then. Yeah. But, but anyways, but the help. next thing makes sense because I haven't yeah. got my network done. And the, my, the doctor told me it would just go away eventually, but, yeah. but I'm just at the point now where I tune it out. It'll go away quicker with some help. Hmm. From I didn't know Or massage or all that stuff. That's yeah. good to know. You're welcome. But yeah, fan app has different kinds of fans. It's yeah. cool. If you don't, if you don't, if you want to get rid of your fan app, I like the fan though. It helps you should get the chiropractor. It's, it's app. a nice sound. I like the constant sound. And it's massage soothing. therapist. Soothing. <laughs> soothing. Fair enough. Okay. Thanks again, though, Curtis. That was an awesome interview. Yeah, um, sweet. Hope everybody enjoyed enjoyed this one. I hope that you guys are listening now on the road when you're out there rodeoing mm-hmm. and listening to the podcast. Hope that it's like a, getting to be a thing. I I've been. I actually. I had a. I had some people from back home reach out to me that they've listened to a few of our shows. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. They just like the ones like Clint and all that stuff. They're like, it's it's getting out there. Awesome. Nice. Good to hear. Good stuff. We still have t-shirts. Oh, yeah. All we have left is larges and extra larges. So if you want a t-shirt, hit us up. It's in the, they're in the store. You can find them on the site. On the line. We should probably post about that again, too. Yeah, I could do some. Get on the social media Say that this week. We have some for sale. Mm-hmm. Uh, All right. So Let's get into it. Yeah. Well, why don't we jump to the Pro Rodeo Report? Team Canada Report. Yeah. Team Canada Report. Yeah. Are you done yet? I have to do it. It's, I do it every time. <laughs> I can't not do it. Oh, The, co- the consistent listeners 
Why? It's just so bad. So? You can do the first part, but then when you start singing, then it gets like... I like, like, I like to sing. Like, whoa, like I can stop anytime. That's not what people at karaoke tell me. <laughs> Wacy Anderson, they karaoke expert. They want more of it. Giving the people what they want. Let's get the people going. You can, you can, yeah. We'll just keep... It's going. a so, thing. It's a in thing. the bareback riding, <laughs> or actually, overall, in the PRCA world standings, six Canadians inside the top 15 this week. Not bad. This Room week for improvement. on the podcast. We didn't even say what date this is for. This is for the week of. The week of May 20... Third? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, May's almost over. Wow. I have Frick. to look at the calendar usually to do this, to know where, remember where I am, where I have to go next week. You know, calendar, it's a handy thing. But for the week of May 23rd, six Canadians on the inside. Nice. Oren Larson, number 10 in the bareback ride. He's got 37,001 on the year so far. Not bad, not Luke bad. Luke Creasy is 13th. He's got 28,600. Clint Leahy is 16th. One spot out. He's at 25.5. Five. Nice. Curtis Cassidy slipped to number six. He's got 39,000 on the year. Not bad. Scott Gintner, he's 15th, 25,000 down. That's good. Zeke Thurston, he's number seven. He's got 36,001. But hey, you know what else is cool? But hey. You know what else is cool, though? What's cool? Uh, He just won another 20 grand in Cloverdale. How about that? How about that? Clay at number 11. He's got 32,800 on the year. Carmen Pazabon, number 19. She's got 27,000. She's got to get turning and burning. Yeah. How about those PBA world standings? Oh, you want the PBA World Standings. The PBR. Coming in. <laughs> like pirates. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I, got, I know a really funny pirate joke, but I can't remember the start of it. I'm going to get it for the next one. Oh, It's geez. so good. Chelsea told me it's the best pirate joke ever. Oh, dear. <laughs> okay. Anyways, coming in. Coming in hot. The 13 spot. Dakota. I can't believe it's not butter. Oh, yeah. Tanner Byrne, number 21. This is good. Crusty. Just one nipple win. He did. The other day since not we far were on the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Close to home. home. First first event back on home soil. He couldn't be in PA, so he had to win the next closest one, which was nipple win. Just down the road. Yep. And then after his big performance in Quebec, B-Rock, Radford. Radford. Brick Comes in hot at number three. 30, 20, yeah, 30. Yeah, 30. Nice. He's uh, in there. Ooh, how about that? And then we got Wild Lonnie West at 49. That's good. He's hanging in there. This is good. And Give that guy a summer run. He'll J-Rock be right up in there. Parsonage, 69. Nice. Ooh, ooh nice. J-Rock. Ooh. Nice. What else yeah. we got? And that, ooh, there's a log jam at down at 90, 91. We got Cody Coverchuk, Zane Lambert, Dayton Johnston. Nice. All inside the top 100. This is good. It's not bad. This is good. Good Canadian content. This is good. We should have some more Canadian content at the finals this year. Hey, talk about the Global Cup, too. Got a thing there. So, unfortunate news for Jordan Hansen. Mm. He's been riding with a broken vertebrae in his back and a broken hip. That's not good. Yeah. And hip so, is nasty. Yeah, but he's been. Re- it's been for a while. Like He had a really sore hip, and they didn't know what was going on. He finally got an x-ray, and it's been and broken. Oh, well. Yeah. Aye. Yeah, so... Ouch. Turns out he's not going to be able to go to the Global Cup. That's going to that's happening pretty quick. Like that's right after our next episode starts on June. It's June 9th and 10th in Australia. So oh yeah, it's that's coming like up fast. Three weeks away. It's like one week, two week, three weeks. Three weeks yeah, away. pretty fast. So wow, that's unreal. Yeah. So Wacy Finkbeiner takes his spot. That's been huge. riding hot lately. He's got the spot. On is the that team. a is that a coach's pick or is that a yeah they're nice. all coaches picks so nice. any other replacements if anything else happens is all coaches picks nice. good for waste that's yeah. awesome been doing He'll fit really in good nice lately on that team i'm sure i think so mm. 
so that's yeah. kind of the nice thing. We're kind of lucky right now. We got a good group of bull riders that like to pick from. Yeah, you can't really go wrong anywhere with our it's top true. end guys. So it's true. Team Canada is looking pretty good headed into that old Global Cup. It is. Gotta and get our dirt back. So speaking on the PBR business, uh, the day the podcast comes out this week, May twenty third. Actually, that's wrong. We just had a change. So this week's broadcast is actually Calgary. So Calgary's stop on the Monster Energy Tour is actually on TV this Thursday night, May 24th. Nice. Yeah. Give me 30. I was there. You were there? Maybe I'll be on TV. Maybe you will, but probably not. No, probably not. But yeah, so here we go. So Calgary's on TV May 24th at 11 p.m. Eastern, so 9 p.m. our time. Sweet. Calgary, you're going to see it on TSN2. Tune in. Tune in, watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. And then next week, since this is the same podcast, we've got Monster Energy Tour from Ottawa, May 29th, the goes at 7 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Mountain. Nice. That's awesome. Set your PVRs. Watch, watch the PBR. Watch it. Watch the PBR. Watch it. So, hey, last thing, June 14th, the Canadian Classic Golf Tournament. Yeah. Woodside in Airdrie? Yeah. In support of the Canadian Pro Resource Medicine team. Yeah. Be there. That's our people. Next, We need them. Next episode, we welcome Brandon Tommy, the Canadian Pro Resource Sports Medicine team. He's going to be live in studio. Really? Everything Cowboy World Headquarters. No, it's going to be awesome. I don't know when yet, but he's going to be here. Maybe maybe in exchange for let us golf for free. Um, probably not, but maybe. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fundraiser, man. One can hope. It's a fundraiser. I know. Yeah. I've donated a lot We're of We're on a college uh, budget around here. Just me. How's the new job going? It's good. Yeah, I'm liking it. How's driving the van? Uh, It's pretty good. How's the van life? The van, it brings me back to the days when I was 16. <laughs> when I used to travel around with my futon mattress in the back. But van life. It's pretty good. You know, like I get to go somewhere different every day and see some That's good. stuff. And cool. Yeah, it's it's good so far. So good. I can't really I can't really say too much because it's only been a couple weeks in. So Okay. Check in next podcast, and I'll give you a full-on update. Check in next podcast. You heard it here first. Check in wait. Tell you about my day job. job. It's going to be for the week of... Uh, a teaser, a cliffhanger. June uh, 5th or something. We'll sometime see in June. See you in June. See you in June sometime. See you next month. Okay, bye. What a month.